Toxicology. Toxicology is scientific discipline, overlapping with biology, chemistry, pharmacology, and medicine. It involves the study of the adverse effects of chemical substances on living organisms and the practice of diagnosing and treating exposures to toxins and toxicants. A story I will share with you this Tuesday. What happens when you combine a smart, pretty girl with drugs and sex? You know how those Catholic girls can be. A bad, hot, dirty, drug-addicted mess. But what happens when we clean up our act? First comes love, then comes marriage, then comes deadly decisions that have nothing to do with a baby carriage. This is the story of Kristen Rossum. Tuesdays with Trisha, episode 20. Welcome to La Jolla, California. This hilly seaside community is about seven miles away from San Diego's downtown. Surrounded by ocean bluffs and beaches, this place is home to SDSU, San Diego State University, and Scripps Institute in Research for Oceanography. This place is beautiful all year round and is an expensive place to be and live. I've enjoyed La Jolla on a few occasions, from the fun beaches to also the fine dining. I'm referring to Fleming's Steakhouse, if you have ever been. If you haven't, it's yummy. I also got to enjoy prom one year at the hoity-toity Hilton Hotel. It was actually pretty cool because I was a freshman at the time and I got to go to the junior-senior prom because my boyfriend was a junior and they had this like obnoxious statue of a naked man and I just remember taking pictures in front of it. I think I still have those pictures floating around somewhere. <laughs> if I find it, I'll post it. Our story starts today on October 25th, 1976, when Kristen Margaret Rossum was born. She was the oldest child of Ralph and Constance Rossum. Kristen was born in Tennessee, but the family resided in Claremont, California. Her father was a professor at Claremont McKenna College, and her mother worked at Azusa Pacific University. She had two younger brothers, and the family was happy and content. But all the children had expectations to do well in life. In 1991, Kristen's father got a new job as president of Hamden Sydney College, but this was all the way on the East Coast in Virginia. So the family move, moved, and her parents decided to send Kristen to an all-girls school called St. Catharines in Richmond, Virginia. There, as a young teen in 1992, Kristen did not flourish like her parents thought she would. Instead, she began drinking alcohol and smoking marijuana. And soon, that wasn't even enough to crave her thirst for rebellion. 
she started using methamphetamines. Meth, aka ice, blue, or crystal, is a highly addictive stimulant that affects the central nervous system and gives the users a euphoric type of feeling. Now this is why this drug can be highly addictive on the first time use because it creates a high that most people really enjoy. It looks like crystal shards and takes on the form of a white odorless powder that dissolves easily with water or alcohol. You can smoke it, snort it, or shoot it up, I believe. Regardless, you guys, it's gross, so don't fucking do it. Okay? Anyways, by 1994, Kristen had sobered up and moved back to California, And this time she enrolled as a part-time student at the University of Redlands. She moved into a dorm on campus, thinking that was a great idea, but obviously soon left after she had a relapse. She was again battling recovery, and she becomes sober once again, and this time she enrolls in SDSU, San Diego State University. And this is where she meets Greg DeVillers. Greg was a nice and handsome young man who came from a great loving family. And when he met Kristen, it was love at first sight. He loved everything about Kristen and wanted to be by her side. The two fell in love and got along in many ways. And with Greg cheering her along and by her side, She eventually graduated with honors in 1998 from SDSU with a degree, a new job at the San Diego Medical Examiner's Office as a toxicologist. Kristen had finally done it. She had a career and a man by her side. The following year in 1999, Kristen and Greg decided to finally get married. The happy couple tied the knot, and one of the things that brought the couple close together was their love for movies, and one of their favorite movies was the 1990 film, American Beauty. It's CBD Store, located on 31801 Mission Trail in Lake Elsinore, California. You guys, this is Inland Empire's only premium CBD shop. You got the aches, you got the pains, you can't sleep, stop in, you will not be disappointed. They have CBD infused water that is yummy, I've personally tried, oils, tinctures, gummies, roll-ons, bath bombs, scrubs, lotions, and so much more. You guys have got to check it out for your one-stop CBD shop located in Lake Elsinore, California. Stop on in, tell them at Tuesdays with Trisha sent you, probably give you a nice high five because Let's let's face it, I'm not that relevant yet. So make me relevant. Stop and buy. Support your local businesses. But even with
with all the supposed happiness, something was still amiss with Kristen. And shortly after her marriage to Greg, she began an extramarital affair with her new boss, Dr. Michael Robertson. Now, these two worked together in the medical examiner's office. And of course, it was a whirlwind affair with lots of sex, money, and drugs. But if you guys remember, this wasn't the only distraction Kristen had in life. You see, when Kristen got the job in the medical field, especially in toxicology, this gave her full access to pretty much every drug on the market. And of course, it didn't take long for this former drug addict to step into her old ways and obviously begin using again. And this went on for some time, but Greg wasn't a stupid husband. He noticed his wife was starting to change. At first, I think he treated it like the occasional, hey, honey, are you okay type of talk? But when Kristen's behavior started to change towards Greg, he became very suspicious. First, Greg found a note from Michael that was basically highly inappropriate for any man to be sending to a wife. So he knew she was cheating on him. He then found out that she was relapsing and she was stealing drugs from her work. He knew that he was slowly losing his wife and that he had to act fast. So I think that he did what any good husband would do, and that would be to confront your wife. So he did this. Of course, I'm sure she started with the sobs of denied. No, 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 it's not what you think. But he told her, look, Kristen, I'm not, I'm not messing around with you, okay? You need to end the affair. You need to stop doing drugs. You need to get fucking help. And if you don't, I'm going to report your ass. And I think the very thought of this obviously terrified Kristen. Like, what was she going to do? She would certainly be laughed at, and then they would pop a drug test on her, and she would be such a disappointment to her family. What was poor Kristen to do now? On November 6, 2000, just after 9.15 p.m., Kristen called 911 in a panic. She had come home and found her husband, Greg, dead in their bedroom of apparent suicide. And when the police arrived, they agreed with the distraught wife. Greg had killed himself. He was unresponsive, and in a dramatic turn of events, it looks like he staged his own suicide as well. And oddly, it was a homage to his favorite movie, American Beauty. Greg was found lying naked and dead in the couple's bed with red rose petals spread all around him. Now, if you've never seen American Beauty, this scene in the movie is a bit on the creepy slash pedophile side, I would say, because it's a dad having a wet dream basically about his teenage daughter's friend. And in the scene is an aerial shot of the actress who is played by Mina Savari. 
And she plays this teen girl who's lying in a bed naked with rose petals covered all around her. And you even see like in the aerial shot of the rose petals kind of dropping down on the scene. And it kind of gives this full effect of what this dad is feeling at the time. And it's disturbing feelings, not anything that you would, I I don't know. It's a weird relation, I think. Anyways, they decide to rule this as a suicide in the beginning, but Greg's family was not having it, especially his brother Jerome, who was adamant that Greg did not kill himself. There was just no way. So since Kristen worked at the San Diego Medical Examiner's Office, in the jurisdiction of where Greg was ultimately found, they were supposed to run the toxicology report there, but they actually decided to take the reports and give them to an outside toxicologist's office, so there was no conflict of interest. And when the reports came back, it looks like that Greg did not die from suicide at all, but it looked like he was poisoned with a drug called fentanyl. Now I'm sure everyone's thinking, hmm, how did fentanyl get there? Because it's not like fentanyl is something over the counter, okay, you guys? This is a highly potent drug, and it's used to treat patients for pain. But the problem with fentanyl is it can severely slow down the respiratory system. So it's very dangerous when not administered under a physician's care. And it can ultimately cause death. People who have access to these types of drugs are pharmacists, physicians, and toxicologists. On June 25th, 2001, Kristen Rossum was arrested and charged with murder of her husband, Greg DeVillers. Her parents actually posted her bond of $1.2 million, and she was released to them on January 4th, 2002. During her trial, the defense argued that Greg was suicidal and he poisoned himself on his own free will. But the prosecution painted another story. They linked Kristen with a series of dings. If you listen to my last episode, you'll be familiar with my dings, but it's a way for me to describe to you guys all the check marks that they have against them. So her first thing would be the access to the medication, okay? She had full access to fentanyl. She knew how to administer it, where to get it, what to do with it. And remember, her husband had just exposed her days before his death. He had told her that he knew about everything and that he was going to tell everyone. So she could have had the desperate thought of, I have to kill him in order to get out of this. She also had thought that they, or had anticipated that they were going to examine her husband's body at her medical office and not an outside office. And she knew in particular that her office did not test for the drug fentanyl. She had no idea that knowing that when this was sent out that they tested for this drug. She just anticipated it before and she had knowledge of all of this. So it's pretty smart to do something like that to try and get away with it. 
Um, it is also said the day before the murder, she had actually purchased on her Vaughn's card, Red Roses. And she was also the one to call Greg's work and tell them that Greg wasn't going to be in the next day, buying herself some more time. Greg's brother-in-law, Jerome, also testified in court that Greg absolutely hated drugs and there was no way that he was ever going to do them this to himself. So ding, 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 ding. And finally, on November 12th, 2002, Kristen Rossum was convicted of first-degree murder against her husband, Greg DeVillers and was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. She is currently serving this sentence at the Central California Women's Facility. It's the largest women's prison in the U.S. today. It looks like in 2006, Kristen was ordered to pay punitive damages to the family of Greg. Something like $100 million she had to pay because someone was sure that she profited from her story. Um, it's definitely been out in a lot of documentaries and, um, you know, of course, ID Channel and Snapped and Deadly Women have also gotten their hands on this story. In 2010, they went for an appeal on Kristen's behalf. And in 2011, the U.S. Court of Appeals denied her request. And if anyone is wondering about Dr. Michael Robertson, he lost his job with the San Diego Medical Examiner's Office and eventually moved back to his hometown of Brisbane, Australia, to care for his ailing mother. And it is actually reported that sometime in 2013, um, someone did a report on it, and it was said that back in 2006, the prosecution actually secretly filed charges against the doctor. And if he ever returned to the U.S., or if Australian government wants him, like, extradited ever, they can, and he can be charged with obstruction of justice upon his arrival, which comes with a three- to four-year jail sentence and fines. So America welcomes you back anytime, Dr. Robertson. You want to come and pay your dues, dude. My heart and love go out to the remainder of the members of the family of Greg DeVillers. Till next time, see you next week on Tuesdays with Trisha. Don't forget to listen to Tuesdays with Trisha. And don't forget to wash your hands, stay safe, and don't forget to listen to Tuesdays with Trisha. Oh, thank you. <laughs>